0: Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 61 of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I am Pam Barnhill, your host, and I'm so happy that you are joining me here today. I am also joined today by Amy Milsick, who is our special guest host for this season of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. Amy, how are you doing? I am wonderful, Pam. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Are things starting to thaw out where you are?
1: Slowly, but surely. So yes, looking forward to warmer weather. Well,
0: good. Well, you know, you are a mom of boys, right? You have five boys? Yes, five. And I am sure whenever you do homeschool, like all of your boys sit perfectly still like little soldiers and do just a great job. Oh, absolutely. They're just little angels. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'm leading up to our guest this week. I have some wiggly boys, not as many as you do. You have lots of wiggly boys. Our guest this week is really familiar with kids who maybe have the wiggles or struggle with sitting still. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Selena Robinson is actually a second
1: generation homeschooler herself who has ADD, as well as her husband has ADD, two kids with ADD, and another child with ADHD. So she is sharing her struggle with that and how she manages to successfully homeschool with that type of situation.
0: Okay, this is going to be such a great episode for so many moms out there because I know they would like to get some of the tips and, you know, share a little bit in selena's story and understand or have somebody who understands maybe what they're going through
1: exactly and she gives some really great tips and resources and just encouragement that you can do it
0: and do it successfully that's awesome all right well we'll get on with that right after this word from our sponsor with the nature explorer science curriculum nature study has never been easier These open-and-go guides include educational nature walk ideas to keep your family engaged for weeks. Background information is provided so parents can feel confident answering questions in the field. Back at home, you can choose from many hands-on, research-based and experimental activities to continue discovery-based learning. Or take the extensive book list to your library for some fun learning through living literature, both fiction and non-fiction selections. There are Nature Explorers curriculum guides available for nearly 20 science topics, which cover a wide range of biology and earth sciences that will work just about anywhere you are in the world. Visit OurJourneyWestward.com forward slash Pam to download your free set of Nature Explorers notebooking pages, which turn nature walks into outdoor science labs. With your download, you'll receive a special coupon code to save 20% off your first Nature Explorers Science Curriculum order. That's OurJourneyWestward.com forward slash Pam. And now, on with the podcast.
1: Selena Robinson was homeschooled herself and is now homeschooling her four children. After finding out that she, her husband, and two kids have ADD and another ADHD, Selena set out to learn all she could about the condition, and doing so has transformed the way she homeschools. Selena is committed to helping other parents of kids with ADHD homeschool successfully, and her blog, Look We're Learning, is packed with information, resources, and personal stories from her own experience. Selena is joining us today to talk about teaching kids with ADHD and give us a little glimpse into her own homeschool day. Welcome, Selena. Thank you for having me. I am so glad to get to talk to you today and just learn more about how you make your homeschool happen.
2: All right, let's get started.
1: Okay. In the intro, we learned a little bit about your family. How long have you been homeschooling?
2: We started homeschooling really from the beginning. Before our first child was born, we knew we were going to homeschool. And um, as you mentioned earlier, I'm a homeschooling graduate, so I'd already had a lot of experience with it. And we did take a couple of breaks. We tried public school for a few months while I was finishing my degree, and then we did the K-12 online public school with two of our children for a few months. But we always come back to regular at-home, taught-by-mom homeschooling. That seems to be what's working best for us. So we've been at it now for about nine years.
1: So you mentioned you're a homeschool graduate.
2: How long were you homeschooled yourself? From sixth, well, from the end of fifth grade to the end, so I graduated.
1: All right. Wow. That is impressive. Have, <laughs> well, what did you take from your homeschooling experiences
2: and bring to your own experiences as a homeschool mom? <laughs> that's an interesting question because I really do it exactly the opposite <laughs> of how I was homeschooled because my mother used boxed curriculum and she gave me the books and said, here, do the work. So that's not at all what we do. So I, I, took what my experience was and then I thought about all the things I would have rather done and I try to include those. So does that count? (laughs) I think it definitely does
1: to have that like second generation knowledge and to be able to like really tweak it and say, you know what, I want to do it this way. So Mm -hmm. yeah, good for you.
2: What made you decide to homeschool? Well, because our children, we do have several that have attention issues. We have come to believe that homeschooling is the best for them, it's the most flexible, the most adaptable for them. Of our three children that have attention issues, our one that is hyper would probably have the most difficulty in public school because he has to move. And when he's able to move and learn, not only does he pay attention better, but he learns and retains it better. And schools don't really have the ability to adapt their lessons for individual children like that. So we were already committed to homeschooling to begin with. And then as we've learned about our children's specific needs, that's just reinforced our commitment to it.
1: So That's fabulous how <laughs> you've been able to do that because you're right in the public school system. It is so hard to make those individual mm-hmm. adaptations and, and that you're able to do that at home. is just wonderful. What homeschool
2: book has influenced you the most? The book that I really appreciate the most is a book that I don't I don't even think it's in print anymore, but it was called Homeschooling a Patchwork of Days. I got a used copy on Amazon, so I'm sure they're still there, but that book wasn't it was not it wasn't a homeschooling how-to manual. It was a look at about 30 different homeschooling families and they each talked about how they spent their homeschooling day. So, because my homeschooling experience was very isolated, I was interested in seeing how other families that had several children structure their day around their specific lifestyle or the skills they wanted their children to learn. So reading those experiences was really helpful to me because it showed me how I could adjust the way we taught to suit our children, which is something we've really needed to do over the years.
1: That sounds like a really interesting book and giving different examples of different homeschools. (laughs) So we'll make sure to include that in the show notes. That sounds great. Your homeschool day is most like which literary classic? (laughs)
2: this question took me a second i thought about it and thought about it and i would have to say it's most like the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy (laughs) i don't know if that really classifies that qualifies as a literary classic but i begin the day in the mud trying to stop my house from being bulldozed and no matter what we do just like arthur dent in the book We start off that way and you go through all this trying to prevent it. And in the end, that's exactly what happens anyway. There's nothing you can do (laughs) to prevent that. And that's how our day begins. I usually begin with a plan of how I want things to go. And my goal is to avert disaster. And then by the end of the day, we've learned a lot. And then we still come back to the same things that every family deals with. So it's it's kind of like that. We have adventures along the way, but in the end, I'm going to be cleaning up a mess no matter what. (laughs) you've just come to accept it. (laughs) I have.
1: I have. I hear you. I've never read that book, but it's one of my husband's favorites. Oh, it's great. We'll add that in the show notes. I got to make sure that I get a copy of it. So you said that you plan. Would you say you're a planner or
2: do you fly by the seat of your pants? Well, because I also have attention deficit disorder, I can't fly by the seat of my pants because we will be all over the galaxy for real. So I have to plan something, but I can't do timed plans. I can't do to the minute schedules. I can't even do a certain number of subjects per day because we won't do all that. So I just plan a basic framework. Okay. We're going to do an activity, a video lesson. We're going to read a book. And I try to do one of those things every time we have a school day. And then also because we don't have school every day during the week, I know I have X number of days a week I'm doing school. So I set those days aside specifically School and then the other days, I don't do school at all. I don't even think about it, plan it, or anything. And that's what helps me to keep us moving without getting too overwhelmed.
1: Okay, I got you. So, more of like a general idea that you go into
2: it, but not specifics? Not specific as to the amount of time. I do choose the topics in advance. So, I'll have all my resources together. So, they're not waiting on me to get them moving, but I don't get very specific about the amount of time we'll spend on each subject or on each concept, even. Kind of introduce it and then watch how they grasp it.
1: Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned that you do homeschool a couple days a week. Does that mean you do more of like a year-round approach or is that
2: just a custom type of thing or more traditional? We're definitely year-round homeschoolers. It has not proven helpful to me for my children to take a summer break Mm -hmm. because we spend so much time reviewing what they forgot at the end of last year, and then when we start the new year, we have to go all over again back to what we did months ago, just to make sure they remember where we left off. That's a common concern in public school too, by the way. Mm-hmm. But um, so we don't we don't do a summer break. We just go year round, three days a week, and year round. And we take a week or two off every couple of months, based on what's going on in our life, what we're trying to do for going out of town. But we try to keep the learning pretty regular so that they stay interested but that they also will not forget what they've been covering.
1: So the year round approach seems to help with retention and just the overall
2: with ADD and ADHD. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Because if the, if time passes in between, we might as well start all over again. Gotcha.
1: So what do you do if you guys have a bad day in your homeschool and you're just like, oh my gosh, like, what
2: do I do? <laughs> How do you solve that? Well, if I'm, when I'm consistent, we don't really have many days like that because they know this day, this day, and this day we're doing school. So they know they're going to get a couple of days every week where there's no school. So we don't have very many bad homeschooling days, but when we do have one, we just drop everything, whatever I planned, we just drop it. And I will be more child directed that day to a degree. Mm -hmm. So I might say, okay, you have to do this much ELA today. With this much math today, usually a specific activity or video lesson. And once that's finished, then the rest of the subjects today are up to you. So whatever country you want to learn about today, we'll find something online about that or whatever, something you want to go build because our boys in particular love to construct things. Mm -hmm. Then fine, you can go work on that project and we'll use that as STEM and we'll talk about how to improve your buildings. But they know that even if there's a bad day, if they can just get through those core things at the beginning, they're basically going to have time to themselves later. So that usually keeps us moving. But sometimes we just have to drop whatever I planned and try it again the next day. And that seems to help them readjust to, yes, I have to learn today.
1: Yeah. So that anticipation helps them mentally to just be ready for a day. And then if Mm -hmm. it's just not working, because you know we're all human, right? Exactly. (laughs) Then it sounds like you drop your plans maybe, but You keep the learning fun going because they get a little bit more. Definitely. I think that's a a great approach. What would your kids say is the best
2: part of being homeschooled? I asked them because I I wanted to make sure that I was going to answer this question faithfully. (laughs) And I got several different answers. My oldest boy said that he liked that there was less schoolwork at home because he did. He was one of the ones that did try public school. My oldest daughter says she likes to be taught by mom. And our youngest daughter said that she likes that she gets to play educational games because she doesn't think she would be able to do that. She has not been to public school, but she likes that she can use. She likes apps like ABC Mouse and Starfall. She likes those for kindergarten. And then our youngest boy said that being home was not boring because he thought school was boring. That's our hyper one. So he, he likes to be home because it's more interesting to him.
1: I think those are wonderful compliments of you and your homeschool. So <laughs>
2: that is awesome. What would they say is the worst part of being homeschooled? Well, my oldest son and my youngest daughter didn't have anything. They said all of it was great. My oldest daughter said she wants more interaction with kids her own age. And we do have homeschooling friends that we get together with pretty often. But she would like to have more of that interaction. And she's 13. So she's definitely at it. She's very social. So she's definitely at the age where she would like just to be around other kids, even if they were mean. She just still wants to be around people. So we're going to have to try to get her together with some of our families are a little further out. And then my youngest son, the one who has ADHD, said his only complaint about being homeschooled is that he has to get his own breakfast and lunch. (laughs) He wants to go through the line and just have me serve him. But we don't do that. I have, That's my three younger boys.
1: Yeah. Mom, mom, mom. Mm, snacks. No. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> and that homeschooling an extrovert is a unique challenge for sure. And I think that it sounds like with your daughter, you're talking about different ways that you can make that work for her still. So that's
2: neat. Yes, we're trying, but it's a little bit of a challenge, but I think we're going to get there, especially the more settled she gets into what she wants to do. She's going to find other ways, I think, to express those interests.
1: I think you kind of already answered this, but are you a homebody or are you
2: always on the go? We have specific days for each one. So we have certain days a week. We know we're going to be at home doing schoolwork. And then we're always gone usually two days a week because I also work outside the home and I'm allowed to bring my children with me to the office because my supervisor is this wonderfully understanding. So we're always out of the house, usually two days a week. And then we're always home the other three days during the week. So we have a, I think we have a nice balance there of home and away.
1: Wow. Yeah. And so how do you keep your kids busy while you're working?
2: Do they just bring activities, books, or how do you do they that? Do, they do bring activities. I'm only in the office for usually an hour and a half. I do the vast majority of my work from home. So depending on where they are in their school, sometimes they have to bring a school assignment they didn't finish. And then when they finish that, I just let them watch something usually on PBS, on the app, the PBS app while I'm sitting there and they they're right there where I can see them. So that keeps them pretty calm. Yeah. (laughs) But I don't have to be there long. So it hasn't really proved to be an issue for us. Oh, that's great. What are you rocking in your homeschool right now? I think the one area right now we're doing the best with our kids is probably, I would call it a version of English language arts, but they're very expressive. They're very creative children and they are doing a great job at articulating their feelings, their ideas, their dreams, their goals. So if they have a a disagreement, we don't have any problem getting someone to talk to us, except for maybe our 13-year-old. She's going through periods where she doesn't really want to talk. But our three younger children are quick to come and express to us what's going on, what they would like to do differently, how they think they can make something better. So they're expressing themselves great. Even with our 13-year-old, direct communication sometimes is proving to be an issue. But we can still usually get around that if we share a story with her or if we do an activity together, she will start to express what she likes about that. And then we can kind of backdoor it into what else may be going on in her life that she has not up until then been talking about. So even when we share books and read louds or, or videos, I very rarely assign written reports or narration where they have to retell things to me by hand, because they're going to tell me on their own because they like to express themselves. So I'm probably the most proud of that with them right now.
1: Well, I would be too, because and that's an excellent thing to be rocking because like that they feel comfortable enough to come talk to you and they have built on those communication skills with self-expression. That's, that's amazing. So yeah, keep up the good work. Thank you. I will try. <laughs> so what are some of the biggest challenges when it comes
2: to being a homeschool mom with ADD yourself? My biggest challenge is my attention span. When I find something that I want to do or want to learn more about, I am consumed with that thing and then when I'm done with it, I never want to look at it again. <laughs> and that doesn't work well for some longer subjects. So some concepts you have to get in there and then stay on them for quite some time to make sure children really understand them. And For me, that can almost be like a slow death. So what I have to do is I'm constantly having to find ways to take the same concept and teach it differently so that I will stay interested. So, for example, math for me, and I'm an accountant by trade, so I am comfortable with math. But some of the concepts that you learn in fourth grade that you have to do over again in fifth and again and sixth and again and again and again, I'm just like, oh, my goodness, why are we still talking about this? But I can see why it's important because your, your knowledge and your understanding of the concept widens as you get older. You see other ways to apply it. But for me, I cannot just keep teaching it that very same way. So we have to use games or videos or rhymes or some kind of hands on activity. So anything to freshen it up so that I will stay interested and that I can teach it in a way that keeps them interested. So that's my biggest challenge, just staying interested and engaged with the, with the information enough to make it engaging for them.
1: Yeah. And it sounds like you use a lot of creativity and different ways to approach it to keep the learning going there. That's great. What are some ways you help yourself stay organized and on track?
2: Uh, Well, (laughs) (laughs) it depends on what, what day it is. Because I know we only have school a few days a week, that keeps me pretty motivated to get it done. Because if I don't get it done in those three days, then the next two days are going to be kind of difficult and pressure-filled for me. And I don't like that. So I try, knowing I only have those three days per week keeps me pretty much on track with getting things done. Also, I try to look at the state objectives for their grade levels off and on through the year, just to make sure that we're hitting most of those concepts, they're comfortable with those. And that's another reason that we do year-round school, so that if there's something they haven't quite mastered to a point where I feel comfortable moving them on, we still have time to go back and And strengthen those areas. So, those things keep me pretty, pretty organized. And then I also have to do a purge often because I tend to keep and hold on to curriculum for years. So, I have to go through and just, okay, we're not gonna use this. This has to go. We're not gonna use this. This has to go. This is for a preschooler, and I don't have any more preschoolers. So, I have to go through there often and get rid of things I know I'm not going to use so that I'm not not overwhelmed when it's time to plan.
1: So, keep it simple. Sounds like, yeah. What are some of your best tips for setting up a homeschool room or area, especially for those
2: dealing with ADD, ADHD? You just said, keep it simple. And that's what I've learned I have to do. (laughs) I wanted our school room to be like your kindergarten room was when you went to public school. If you went to public school back in the 80s or 70s or 80s, and you know what I'm talking about, because you had the posters and you had the play centers and you had the little cubby and the alphabet was in the kneeling around the top of the school room. And I remember looking up and, oh, look, there's how you make an A and all these wonderful educational fun things. So I did most of that at first. And we had our bins with our colorful manipulatives and counting bears and everything. It was just I thought it was a wonderful environment. But I found that when I would be teaching at the chalkboard, I would turn around and my children are looking at everything in the room except what I'm writing on the board. So that I learned that because their attention span is so short, I can't overcrowd the space with things to look at because it's going to take them away from what we're talking about. So we've had to take everything off the walls except something that we are right now talking about. And then when we're done talking about it, it has to come off the wall so that they can pay attention to me and what I'm teaching again. So we have to keep it very minimal, very streamlined. And then that keeps them focused. So
1: cut out the overwhelm, cut out the overstimulation, because that's what I remember from kindergarten. It was like, oh, shiny, shiny. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah, I got to keep that tip, you know, at the forefront of my mind, because I do have that tendency. I just want to cram it all in. Look, guys, look. And oh, that Mm -hmm. is very distracting. So good tip. Good tip. What are some books or resources that you recommend for getting a better understanding of ADD and ADHD?
2: There are a lot. There were two books that I read specifically about raising. One was called Raising Girls with ADHD, and the other was Raising Boys with ADHD, which I kept because they were just fantastic, specifically for parents. But to get an overview of ADD and ADHD in general, the book Healing ADD by Dr. Daniel Amen is terrific. It is very comprehensive, not just about these particular disorders, but the different types of them. So you can kind of start to recognize the different ways it may be manifested because everybody doesn't show ADD or ADHD the same way. It doesn't show up the same way in everyone. So for example, like my attention deficit disorder, one of the things I struggle with is hyper focus. Mm. So if I'm, that's why I mentioned a few minutes ago, if I'm on a topic, I'm there and I will, I will forget to eat because I'm so wrapped up in this thing right now. And then when my attention for that runs out, I never want to think about it ever again in life. I've just run all there is to get out of it. And then I'm done with it. Now, my husband doesn't, he doesn't deal with that. His is more that. He's so scattered. He can't settle down and even choose a topic to get that interested in, in the first place. And then our children's are all different from ours. So that book was really helpful because it's, it helped me start to notice some of those tendencies in myself so I can learn to manage it better. And then how to spot what my children struggle with so I can help them cope with theirs too.
1: Yeah, because there are different symptoms and they manifest Mm -hmm. themselves in different ways for different people. So those resources sound great. We'll add those in the show notes for sure. And you mentioned that, or I know, that you have
2: an ebook about homeschooling with ADHD on your site, right? Yes, it's um, at lookweelearning.com backslash store. And if you look at the ebook section, you'll see it there. It's called Homeschooling with ADHD.
1: Okay, we'll put a note and a link to that. As well. One more question before we get to our final part is what would you recommend good resources or tips for when our kids, or I guess even ourselves really get fidgety in our homeschool Mm -hmm. and just can't sit still, can't, you know, we just got to get moving. And I mean, I struggle with
2: that myself. So Mm -hmm. I'm just curious what you what you would recommend for that. I think of those as your body saying, get up and move. So I'm fine with that. Because I have a desk job, I have to tell myself, okay, time to get up, get up and move, get up and move. For those of us, like my son, who is very hyper, he's going to move anyway. He, he simply cannot be still at times. There are times when he can, and then there are times when he just cannot. So I listen to those messages. We get up and we move around. We might do PE at that time, even if it's not our scheduled time. We might go outside and talk about things that we've learned. We might play a, a hands-on game. We did a game On our blog. In fact, it was a sidewalk chalk math game, which is basically like a math hopscotch. And they reviewed their arithmetic while playing the game, but they just were not going to be still that day. So (laughs) that's what we did instead. So I try to add movement into our day as often as I can. I also use very short subject time. So when we do sit down for schoolwork, we might do 20 minutes and then we're going to get up. And then the next hour, it'll probably be another 20 minutes. So I don't have them being still for long. I try to get ahead of it when I see that they're already starting to drift off. Okay, come on, time to get up. And then we'll do something else that has to do with the topic, but doesn't require them to be stationary.
1: Okay. So building in breaks and just focusing in on on what they're telling you, like they need to get up and move. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. All right. Time for our fast five. When I get to ask you five things and you tell us the first thing on your mind. Okay. You just received an Amazon gift card. What are you spending it on? Books, books. I can never have too
2: many books. Nice. I think that's our number one answer. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Favorite game for family night? Monopoly Jr. is our favorite family night game. Even our five year old likes that one. That's a good one. I like that too. Best way to spend the day with your kids? I said books already. So I, I feel <laughs> like maybe I can't say reading, but reading is, is number one. And close behind that would be a movie day. Oh, yeah. What are you reading right now? I'm reading three books. Because again, my attention, but one book is Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss, which I use for getting myself focused with work. The Mirror Cracked from Side to Side with Agatha Christie. I love all of her stuff. And The Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead.
1: Oh, this sounds good. Okay. We'll add uh, links to that in our show notes. And then last <laughs> one, I've got to have blank to get me through the day.
2: Coffee, 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 coffee. Did I say coffee?
1: <laughs> I mean, wait, I'm losing. Yeah. <laughs> That, again, number one answer. I Coffee. Like, what What is that old game <laughs> show? I can't remember. Yeah, Survey Says. No, okay. Oh, Family do. yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was so much fun, Selena. Tell us where we can find you. I am at www.lookwelearning.com, And I'm on Facebook, facebook.com backslash learning, And on Instagram and Pinterest and Twitter, I am at LookWeLearn.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing about your homeschooling experiences with ADD and ADHD. And it was just great getting to chat. Thanks a lot, Amy. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. And there you have it. Now, if you'd like links to any of the books and resources that Selena and I chatted about today, you can find them in the show notes for this episode of the podcast. Those are at pambarnhill.com backslash 61. Looking forward to some more great homeschool chats to encourage, inspire and motivate. Until then, rock your homeschool.